So, Lightning, uh, I know that you usually start the show, but mm-hmm. I felt it would be um, special if I did it this time. Go for it. Start the show. I, I, I bought you something. I mean, as much as I love when you get me gifts, I'm all, I'm, I'm, I'm often scared. You shouldn't be. I shouldn't be. Look at Is it? A, oh, yes. He bought me another legal pad that I was out of paper. <laughs> for for weeks it, now, Lightning's yellow pad that he does notes on the show yep. has been filled up. He's like, do you have another one of these? I'm like, no, I still, I, I answered that weeks ago. I still don't have another one. Yes. So I, yes, I yes, made a special yes. trip to Staples, Staples. I love and it. bought you a new legal pad Thank so that you could write so your notes much. for the show. That is, that's a really thoughtful gift. Did Thank you notice there are also new pens in the cup? Yeah, uh, except they're fine point. They're almost tearing through the paper. No, just don't I don't, write want, to, I don't want to sound like I'm not an ingrate here, but uh, I like the pen. I'm uh-huh. happy about the pad. Uh-huh. This is great. All We're right. off to a good start. Let's see, there you go. Perfect. I also wanted to bring up, I was going through our emails, and you know it's the end of the year. What's cool about the end of the year is Spotify does a bunch of like stats and they put together like your year in review. And <gasps> tell me we beat Joe Rogan. Yes, I've been waiting for this. Absolutely. Yes, the Truck Show podcast. Yes. Sm- oh, didn't? No, oh, no, oh, wow. that's that's not it. But there was a bunch of like really cool just stats that I thought, you know what, this would be kind of fun to share with everybody. All right, so uh, Lightning, it's pretty cool. Spotify, which is the second biggest uh, platform behind Apple does our our 2023 wrapped for podcasters is here all right so check this out according to spotify what do you think the number one show of the year was our our show our our episodes Uh, episodes yep oh holy this is all going to be us centric okay got it okay just when i think everyone loves like an off-road episode or something with you talking about your mojave trips we might have like uh, a, you know, a Mike Finnegan or some, I don't know, right. C10 season, show. Do season well. two, episode three. Season two, episode State three. State of the automotive industry with Gail Banks. Oh, no kidding. And according to Spotify, it was streamed 723% more than our average episode. You're kidding me. So I sent that to uh, to Gail today, and uh, he texted me back after I sent that to uh-huh. him. And this is a quote from uh, Gail Banks himself, which I found super hilarious. There's a big, stupid-ass smile on my face right now. <laughs> That's what he texted me back. All right, so check this out. This is pretty cool. 58% of our listeners on Spotify discovered us in 2023. That's surprising. I, it is. Do you want to know which episode brought the most new listeners? Well, then that would have to be a famous guest, I would think, right? And We, we haven't had Finnegan on in quite some time. Who would bring, I, I don't know. Scott Birdsall, the luckiest Birdsall. man alive. 10% yes. of our new listeners came through Scott. Scotty. How yes. is that, all right? Okay, yep. Okay, and so um, check this out. How many countries do you think that we were streamed in on Spotify this year? 11. 26. What? Uh, 85% of you were in the US, though. Okay. So Which, which makes the, sense. What's the weirdest one? Do you know? Uh, yeah, so check this out. The most new listeners. Can I guess? Bangladesh. Norway. Norway. And and Norway continues to climb because when you think of trucks, Norway no, right at the- no 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 dude the the uh, the Scandinavian countries have amazing they love American vehicles. There's like a whole like subculture there. 
Huh. It's it's super rad. I don't know what to say about so, that. I need to do some investigation. They're, hard, they're hardcore uh, American car people up there. No a- kidding. And they found our podcast. All so. right. What's up, Norway? Yeah. I was going to say, uh, I don't know. What... You know what you say? Norway in the house. <laughs> All right. Right? All right. Check this Is out. Is Norway in the house? I don't think they're in the house. I think they're uh, up by the uh, Arctic Circle. Uh, check this out. What are the top music genres of our listeners? Oh, that's an interesting... I, I, I thought this would be a good one for yeah, you because you love this stuff. So I, I got to think country. I got to think country followed by classic rock. Top three. Oh, so keep going. Uh, uh, alt rock is number three followed by... There's probably no hip hop in there. Okay. Uh, number three, yeah. rap. Number three is rap. Really? Number two, rock. Okay. And number one? Those are pretty broad categories. Contemporary okay. country. Okay. So right. Right, you're, you were I pretty was, close. I, I mean, you mentioned them, so okay. I, think yeah. that, I think that's good. All right. Uh, our podcast was shared all over. 41% of you shared a direct link to a show. 31% texted. 15% Instagram. 7% Facebooked. And 6% other. I thought that was kind of interesting. Thank you for the other. Uh, and the most shared episode... What do you think the most shared episode was out of all of our episodes this year? Uh, well, not one we've mentioned already, so let's take so those So it's off. not the Gail Banks not episode. Gale, and it's not Scott Birdsall. <sighs> most shared. Dang. Uh, SEMA? You might be surprised. Not our SEMA shows. 35, episode 35, season 2, 35. Truck House and Stellar Built. Really? So the Toyota guys found us and uh, decided no that- No kidding. Yeah. What do you think our podcast <laughs> rating was on Spotify? Our podcast. What do you mean our podcast rating? You mean like out of five stars? Yeah. Uh, oh, four point eight. Four point nine. No way. Yes, go us. I know. Go us. So my takeaway so far, Holman, is more Gale Banks and Toyotas. Yes, Gale Banks hops up Toyotas. That's the winning combo right there. Is that what right? it is? Yeah. So then, Gail Banks test drives the new Tacoma. D- done. Done. Yeah. As soon as we're, I'm bring, when I get one, I bring it to Gail, and we're doing a podcast with him driving it. Dude, I'm not even. No, no I'm not that either. Would, like heads would yeah. explode. And then we'll drive to Scott Birdsall's for lunch. Oh, that's <laughs> what mega. if we kidnapped Gail for a road trip? And said, "Hey, well, you'll be back tomorrow." No, I'll tell you right now. I'll have Scott fly down. We'll pick him uh-huh. up at Ontario Airport. Uh-huh. Bring him straight over to Banks because he hasn't been there yet. All right. Have lunch with all with me, you, and Gail, and test drive the Tacoma. All of us. Oh, I love it. All right, so check this out. Our streams this year mm-hmm. on Spotify were up 5%. Oh, that's not... Oh, hold on, hold okay. on. Our followers were up 16% of people listening to us on Spotify. That's pretty cool. Okay. And our our minutes, we, uh, we were 4% longer than last year. That's what she said. And uh, this is another interesting stat that they do. I thought that was kind of cool. For 777 people, we're their top 10 podcast. I don't know how to extrapolate that. Into, <laughs> I don't either. It's goodness. Just, uh, <laughs> All uh, right. So to you guys who are 777 yeah. people that were, you're in their top 10. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, hold on. But you got to think the 569 where we are their top five. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Thank you. And I want to know, <laughs> I want to meet the guys where we're the number one show. Well, that would be uh, 201 people. We're their number one show that nice. they listen to every week. Nice. First. I like that, right? Yeah, That's kind of sure. cool. And then uh, let's have a meetup for just those, just those people. Just those people. Yeah, let's, yes. if, if Spotify will get in it. radio, you call those your P one, your program yeah. one. Yeah, yes. we we like that. Our P one listeners. Okay, and then uh, total minutes of podcasting that we uh, that we created up to this point in the year, uh, over four thousand minutes of sitting here together. Oh, well, that's what yeah. the po- that's what the listeners get. We've created twelve thousand minutes. <laughs> There's a lot of editing anything. going on. Yeah, I bring this up uh, because a it's cool, 
And B, I want to break some news here on the Truck Show Podcast. All right, Lightning, uh, for this uh, a bit of news, I think we need the breaking news music. All right, here we go. All right, for all of you hardcore podcast listeners, the Truck Show Podcast is going to be uh, doing you a solid for 2024. I would like to announce on behalf of Lightning and myself, the Truck Show Podcast will be going to... Two episodes a week Whoa! in 2024. What? Are you sure that we want to do that to ourselves? Well, here, here's the uh, here's the secret sauce. Uh, it seems like you guys really like podcasts that are around 90 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible. We've tried, and we can't. We just have too much of... Uh, uh, too of much co- goodness. Too much goodness to fit into a five-gallon uh, bucket. So what we're going to do is we're going to have your normal uh, Monday drop long-form show. That'll be around 90 minutes. Just like we do today. And then uh, on Thursdays, we're going to have a short form episode that will be about 15 to 20 minutes. Of it may be news. Of, well, it may be something we pull out. So it will most likely start with and be news, but it could be other things depending on if there's breaking, something's happening. Because right now, if something happens on a Thursday after we record, we have to wait all the way until the next week and then you have to wait, wait another week. This will give us more opportunities to engage with you guys. If there's something cool that's happening, it'll give all you folks who like a short-form podcast something to listen to, and it'll give us two episodes a week. So uh, one again, one long-form, one short-form. So it's more podcast goodness for anybody who wants to listen to all of it. So our goal with this uh, Thursday episode is to make more of a snackable, timely piece of whether whether it's news or it's a story or it Holman just did a test drive for example and we want to be you know our friends at TFL or something like that right we're like what? We, no, I'm just saying love I love Andre like he's a, he's our he's our boy but let's just say that we you you get the picture it right? gives us more opportunities to engage with you it gives you more opportunities to download the podcast here's the two things that we hear from our listeners one is we need more and that's what she said also why can't you have a, a second episode and the truth is because it's a lot of freaking work. But but we're willing to try that out for 2024, see how it goes. Uh, we're both committed to this two-episode format, and hopefully you guys are uh, happy about that. So truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. This is our Christmas present to you guys. That starts next year. That starts next year. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're delaying our present. Oh, no, this next is year. this is like we ordered it late and UPS uh-huh. couldn't deliver it till next year. I feel like this is a gift card that's only redeemable uh, in twenty four. In twenty four, is that legal? No, <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't matter. We're making the rules. Right? All right, well, I like it. So anyway, uh, prepare yourselves. Truck show podcast two times a week in twenty four, and and that's our uh, that's our big news. All right, uh, the the next big news is I had a chance to go down to Unplugged Performance in Hawthorne, California, which is literally right next to SpaceX and Tesla. And SpaceX had a giant rocket sitting on uh, the street, ready to be shipped, which was kind of cool. Um, it was so, a Falcon rocket on its side, on a all all uh, wrapped up on a trailer, which was awesome. Unplugged performance. They are the Tesla upfitters. They're like the premier Tesla upfitter tuner. Uh, they uh, own some Time Attack records, uh, Pikes Peak. Randy. Oh, Randy Popes. Yeah. Yeah. I was standing right next to uh, their Model S with Randy Popes yeah. driving when I was up there two years ago at Pikes Peak. Yep. So they're they're known in the Tesla communities for, for uh, wheels, suspension, a bunch of parts that they make, full interior redos, performance stuff. They are breaking into Cybertruck. And so they invited me to come out and said, hey, we know you're huge in this uh, off-road space. We'd love for you to come out and take a look at the products the same day as the Cybertruck announcement. 
I was on site when they announced their whole line. So we're going to go through, I got some audio with uh, Ben Schaefer, who's the CEO and co-founder, and then we'll play that later in the show and kind of walk you through some of the cool Cybertruck stuff that's coming. For me, whether you like the Cybertruck or not, and honestly, I'm still on the fence, but whether you like it or not, it's awesome to see an aftermarket company that's investing in another truck line. There's more choice for there. That's for all of us. That's never a bad thing. Did you see the debate that happened when I posted my? I, I got a note finally from Tesla. By the way. Oh, you did. I didn't see that. I, no. I, what do you mean you didn't see it? You you commented on it on your note from Tesla. Yes. I don't think you, I did. You I commented on my then, Facebook page on the Tesla thing that I posted. Then what I did was I responded to a comment that was in my uh, my notifications without reading the post. Oh, so what I did is it says, hey, Jay, it says, hey, Lightning, you are in the queue for your Cybertruck. And it says, while you're waiting, do you want to check out the Model 3, the Model S, and some other things? Anyway, but oh, it, okay. They, they acknowledged the I fact didn't realize that, that that was a personal note to you. I thought you just had posted... Because your comment was, am I going to do it or something like that? And, well, that, that yeah. was an email. I right. opened my Gmail one Got day it. and I'm like, oh my God, finally, like this just happened. Like yeah. they reached out to everyone the day that they announced it. I'm on the list and I assume anyone that gave the $100 deposit gets an email like I did. And so I posted on my Facebook and said, do I do this or do I keep with right. my my noisemaker? You know, right. my 702 horsepower noisemaker. 56 people laughed at you. And 56 people laughed at me. But by the way, Walter Cheney came in. He's like, God, he started battling some of the other people in the thread. He's like, no, you need- He even offered to buy it from you if you bought it. He's like, you need to consider this. Like, this is legit. He's made the conversion over to full EV for a lot of his, you know, performance build, et cetera. Anyway, I thought it was a really interesting debate. A lot of people are like, no, stick with the TRX. It's going to be a lot more fun. This is going to be a hokey one-off, and it's not fully developed. Well, yet, you don't blah, blah, have blah. a charging infrastructure at home. Oh, you have we, none we, of that We stuff. get all that stuff. But I thought it was really interesting to see this like a little micro-debate happening with the listeners. Well, I, I think the guy thread. who had the most reactions, they had the best comment. Which was uh, Sean P. Holman. You you aren't a serious person. (laughs) That's true. I couldn't debate that. Yes. So the the reason that we are going to talk about the Cybertruck is because it's crazy polarizing. It's either going to be the future of trucks, or or, it's not, or it's or or it's it's not not. even a truck. It's just a lifestyle vehicle, and who knows? I mean, it's but everyone's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. We've got our opinion. We're but we're not going to not cover it. I mean, it's the Cybertruck. It's one of the hottest things being talked about. It's a truck. We're gonna have fun with it. That's one of the reasons I want to get down to unplug performance because I know the quality of work that they do and I wanted to be a part of it. And I met a lot of interesting Tesla people there with all sorts of like crazy modded out threes and S's and Y's and all that. It was a, a whole different part of the Tell segment. Tell me they all did fart noises in the parking lot. There were no fart noises, really? no. But there was a lot of like uh, uh, underglow and stereo stuff and and slam. So wait One a dude was on airbags. What do you mean? One dude, when I was in Huntington, does that, do you know there's a place about two miles from where we are right now in the pod shed that specializes in bagging Tesla. Yes. All right. Also on this episode, we have uh, Juan DePena returning. He's the uh, the chief engineer of the Ford Ranger. You may remember back in May when uh, they announced it with the media, I had a chance to sit inside a Ranger with him and kind of talk about the uh, the program and a little bit about the trim levels and all that. Well, this is a little bit of a deeper talk. He and I had a chat earlier today. And it was great. We uh, we covered a lot of things about the midsize truck segment, their philosophy, what they see the Ranger doing. And I asked him if he thinks this will be the uh, the Ranger that takes Tacoma down. Did he 
give you a real answer? Uh, you'll have to listen to the political you answer. Just, you'll have to listen to uh, it. That's why we're here, Lightning, is we want people to listen oh, to the show. Not, I can't, I can't <laughs> wait to get his <laughs> answer, Alman. That's much better. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, before we get into all of this great content and more, we have to thank our presenting sponsor, Nissan. So Nissan uh, has been with the show since uh, the beginning, really. If you're in the market for a new truck, head on down to your local Nissan dealer. You want to check out the Frontier, the Nissan Titan, the Nissan Titan XD. The industry's best warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles on those Titans, and the Frontier is one of the hottest-selling mid-sized trucks here in the United States. So if you want a truck, Nissan's the place to go and uh, support them. They've been supporting your favorite podcast, at least 202 of you, since the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And on behalf of Gail Banks and Banks Power, I want to say thank you to the Truck Show podcast audience. And Holman, you don't know this, but as of just a couple of days ago, the Pedal Monster has become one of the all-time best sellers in the company's 65-year history. And I believe I just sold another one for you uh, this week. So I have to... In what kind of truck? Uh, in a 4Runner. Oh, nice. So I have to uh, connect with you uh, later on that. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that very thing. Yes. So you guys, th- we all do. Everyone thinks of Banks Power as the diesel guys. And rightfully so. Since the 80s, Gale Banks kind of created the diesel performance aftermarket. But before that, he had almost 30 years of gas performance. And the Pedal Monster is getting us back into the Toyota market, the gas market, the small block Chevy market, all that. I want to talk about Toyotas really quickly. If you have a Tacoma and you've overloaded it like an Overlander does, you you put 33s on, maybe you squeeze 35s on, the first thing that happens is you notice it's sluggish. Pedal Monster is for you. It's the best throttle controller on the market. It doesn't throw check engine lights like all the other guys. If you want to get rid of that sluggishness in your Tacoma or your Tundra, go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make and model, and find the one for your truck. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show oh, oh. it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman you know it's funny when uh dave who's helping us out with our social media when he was in a couple episodes ago I think he was surprised that uh, we were singing along with the intro. Like, you know, it's, it's obviously we recorded. Well, I just think he expected us to just sit and bob our heads as we listen to it. And here's you he and me. He didn't expect you to pull out the guitar and me the synthesizer and go to town with the flashing disco ball <laughs> lights and everything and the smoke. It's like an 80s disco in here. I guess, no, that would have been 70s disco. 80s New Wave Club? All right, well, speaking of uh, flashy 80s parties, this may not have been that, but uh, I did get a chance to talk with the co-founder and CEO of Unplugged Performance, Ben Schaefer, and uh, we actually had a pretty uh, pretty good conversation. They have some seriously cool products coming out. I don't know if you uh, were on my Instagram, and I posted some photos, and uh, it makes it go from looking like a steampunk thing to some, like, assault buggy on the moon. Like all the stuff that they're doing, it's it's really cool. All right, so here I am at uh, Unplugged Performance in uh, in Hawthorne, California, right next to uh, Tesla and SpaceX, and 
all these uh, <clears throat> musk companies. And why am I here? Well, today, uh, Lightning, as you know, was the day of the official uh, Cybertruck uh, launch. They're going to customers finally after all these years. And I'm here with Ben Schaefer, CEO and co-founder of Unplugged Performance. So for those of you guys in the truck space, you might not know, but Unplugged Performance is one of the premier Tesla modifiers for as far as suspension and tuning, tires, wheels, body kits, aero, they've raced, they do time attack, pikes, peak, all sorts of cool stuff. And now they're getting into Cybertruck. So uh, Ben, I'm sure you've been uh, waiting for this day for quite a while. Thank you. Yeah, it's really an exciting day. We have 10 years now working with Tesla vehicles and the Cybertruck is just the next level platform on many fronts. So we're really excited for this debut to happen for the Cybertruck and also for us to introduce a whole new way of tuning. So here's what's cool. You guys threw a party and invited me, so thank you for that. Uh, but why the party? What, what, why are we here? Why did 400 people come and eat all that pizza? Well, anytime you get pizza, people come, right? That's, that's <laughs> and the beer. part. And beer, especially, and a lot of people come. <laughs> so yeah, we had a sold out event in our business park here, and it was a celebration of Tesla finally delivering the first Cybertrucks. And for us, you know, as a Tesla modification business, we have a lot of plans around what that platform is. So we took this opportunity also to kind of share a little bit of our thoughts about what you can do with the Cybertruck in terms of modifications. And you also unveiled some of the new products that'll be part of your uh, new Invincible line, which is going to be a, uh, a Cybertruck lineup of, of super tough t uh, parts, steel, carbon steel. You know, traditionally, because you guys have worked in racing and EV cars, it's all been about special materials for lightweighting. Well, in this case, you actually went to heavier materials to make them even more heavy duty, more durable, more hardcore for off-roading. And some of the products that you hinted at that are on the way and some of the ones that will be immediately released just really up-level the Cybertruck. Exactly. It's a little bit weird for us because we have spent so much effort making things like Lexan windows to save weight and making things like prepreg carbon fiber to replace even aluminum to take any weight out that we can. And here we are making you know, heavy-duty steel products. But ultimately, as a car enthusiast and as someone you know who runs a business modifying cars, all that matters is understanding what's the problem you're trying to solve and then engineering for that. And what we're engineering for in a Cybertruck is very different than what we've done with our Pikes Peak race cars and other vehicles. So we're making the most heavy duty, invincible stuff we can make. And that's why we call the brand Invincible. We want this thing to be as rugged as it gets. Holman, there aren't any companies that I'm aware of that do what they do. Any idea why? Uh, there are other companies out there, but I think they got in really early and their stuff is super high quality. They're making their own wheels. You can get a carbon fiber spoiler. I think it's for the S or the 3. That's been co-designed with Koenigsegg. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're partnering with the right people. The products are very expensive because they need to be. It's really the top shelf stuff. Some people might be interested to know uh, Unplugged Performance actually came out of Nissan tuning. They were known, or their other company is Bulletproof um, Automotive, and they built GTRs. Oh. And so there's actually... So uh, they got some pedigree. They have some pedigree, yeah. Okay. And the other question is, do you guys discuss in this piece, and if so, don't don't elaborate, but do you discuss if he thinks Tesla will release their own line of upgrade parts? Oh, they've already announced it as part of their thing. Oh, they Show, did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't so, see so that. So there's things like a, a um, extended uh, battery pack that you can snap into the bed. They have all their own Molly panels and all sorts of different things. Unplugged is really taking the idea of Tesla sort of getting into their accessories division, but then going to the next level with it. Gotcha. 
All right, so walk me through uh, some of the products. Let's start with the ones that you unveiled tonight that'll be immediately available to early adopters, and then some of the stuff that's on the horizon that you hinted at that uh, I'm pretty excited about. Yeah, you know, we're, we're coming out with our, our guns blazing on this one. We're, we're trying to create a statement of what we think a Cybertruck can be with the right outfitted goods. So it's all the things you'd expect, but there's some twists and turns as far as, far as how we approach it. So we have beadlock wheels, it's not some show stuff with fake bolts, it's legit beadlock wheels. Uh, they're forged, of course. Uh, we actually have two wheels. We have a forged beadlock wheel and a forged street wheel. So by the way, the street wheel, you may have seen in some of the social posts, it's the cyber hex wheel. And I saw it on an on a uh, S and I was like, eh, I don't really get it. I saw it on the Cybertruck, which it was, it was originally designed for yeah. by a automotive designer who was involved in the Bugatti uh, Veyron and Koenigsegg. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, it, what uh, Chiron? Yeah, right? Chiron. Yeah. So, it's it almost looks like a honeycomb. Yep. It's super cool. But on the Cybertruck, with all the square angles, it's awesome. In fact, so I hated the plastic wheel covers that are on the production Cybertruck. Okay. I think they take away from it. And I saw a picture that was posted, that was a uh, I think a render of your uh, Cyberhex wheel. Yeah. It was basically the front A pillar forward, and it showed the Cybertruck with your wheel on it. And I go oh my God, they finally got a production wheel that looks great on the Cybertruck. I didn't realize that was your wheel. That is the most honorable thing I can hear as far as someone who designs and, and produces product is to have something that looks fitting on the vehicle. That's really the purpose. We're not, we're not here to change the character of the vehicle. We're here to make it more of what it is. And yeah, the Cyberhex wheel, 100% is inspired by the angularity of the Cybertruck, the, the brute force of it. And uh, yeah, we're excited to debut it. And in terms of overall modification of the Cybertruck, we're approaching all angles of it. We have a lift kit, we have wheels, we have brake pads and rotors, we have uh, metal bumpers, rock sliders, underbody armor. So Holman, you just brought up those wheels on yeah, the Podshed Studio uh, yeah. monitor here. And that's the 20-inch Cyberhex, which is So it looks like awesome. a, a honeycomb. Yep. That looks so much better on and, the Cybertruck than when the it, crappy well, wheels well, they have I on I just there. realized when I said honeycomb, people are thinking like BBS. No, 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 no. No, no. no, no. no it's this not laced. Is, yeah, this is one, two, three, four, five, six giant honeycombs. This it's like looks if you like, mixed a flower and a honeycomb together. They're six-sided. It's a really good look. I just think it's so cool on the Cybertruck. It's so much better. And then... Here's their uh, their beadlock wheel on one of their renders with uh, I, their I, I'm not going to lie. I like the beadlock even better. Yeah, the beadlock is pretty cool. Totally. And, and wildly forged. different style. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting look. Holy mackerel. They're going for broke, dude. Oh, Dang. Yeah. All right, I'm going to leave this photo up while he's talking so you can kind of take a look at it while he's uh, talking about the parts. We have Molly panels everywhere you can imagine. Lots them. of Molly panels. Molly the world. <laughs> Molly the world, yeah. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to have our bathroom here with Molly panels on the wall <laughs> as well. Um, you know, it's really about increased opportunity to do whatever the hell you want to do. And it's fun to engineer something where we don't know what that even is. It could be anything. You know, building a race car, you know where it's going to end up. It's going to end up on a racetrack. Building something like this is fun because we're not necessarily defining how you use it. Another example is we've built out a fairly complicated storage system for the trunk. The overall goal here is no matter what the hell you're doing, we want this truck to be as usable as possible and everything is designed around that. 
Uh, there's some of, some of the products I was really impressed with. I know you did early renders on a skid plate system, yep. but your rock rails are pretty cool because you have the rocker protection, but then you have bolt-on rails that stick out from it. Yep. Those bolt-on rails allow you to remove that part of it if you don't want them on there without removing the whole system um, while still protecting the edges of the body and the battery. And they also act as a step. And then you've got your bumpers are made to for the vehicle to be lifted with high lift jack. And you go to the front bumper and you're like, okay, it's a steel bumper, better approach angle. You got the bull bar as an option. You got the lights, all the different things. The real interesting thing for me was the rear bumper because it's almost like a rear bumper slash skid pan or butt pan, if you will, because you incorporate the your your beast hitch. And this thing goes the full width of the vehicle, and it probably sticks in at least 12 or 18 inches underneath the back of the vehicle. So you can fully lift it with a high lift. You've got D-ring uh, shackle mounts. You've got this hitch that will not reduce the towing, but you can use it as a recovery point. And then to that, you can bolt on all sorts of stuff. You can bolt on the, uh, the rock sliders for the corner, kind of like on a Jeep Gladiator. You've got dual swing away, molly panel, swing arms on the back so that you can put a spare tire and wheel on one or the other, uh, as long, uh, along with anything else that you want to bolt to molly. Damn, <laughs> I, I, I would I would say Sean knows this stuff as well as we do at this point, but absolutely, there's there's a lot, you know, and and that laundry list of things that just the rear bumper enables really I think speaks to how much care and thought and excitement we placed into what you can do with one product. Um, and we really try to have that ideology transfer over to everything. You know, we're really trying to look at this thing as a Swiss Army knife and figure out how many things can we do here on, on every product. Holman, I'm looking at the photos still up on the screen here. Scroll back up to the to the first photos. The first thing I notice, and I kudos to Unplugged because those bumpers, if they actually turn out like this rendering that I'm looking at, they are perfect for the truck. The rock rails are perfect for the truck. Yeah, those are all going to be production parts. That's going to be great. But what I notice immediately, and what now I know why the stock one looks so feeble. The offset on the wheels. Look at those fender flares. It, those are actually carbon fiber fender flares, and they've been remodeled. You see the little yes, peaks on the top. They look like diamonds on the top be, to stretch them out. So they look like they're like maybe out. pyramids. Maybe, pyramids, maybe. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Pyramids. That's yeah, almost impossible. You've got to go to Unplugged Performance on Instagram and see these photos that we're talking about. Or you can go to uh, my Instagram because I've got some photos up there as well of so, some of the uh, products. They this offset makes it look so much beefier and wider. It's kind of like the reason I went to 37s on the TRX. Sure. I felt like the 30, the stock 18s on 35s were just sucked in too far. You push them out a little bit, bigger wheels and tires. It just instantly transforms the look of this. So if you're me and you have the $100 deposit on this, like what? I would buy it and sell it to Walter Cheney. You would? At a really high... Uh, <laughs> do you know what I brought up at work? What? What do you think I brought up at work? Engine swap. Yeah. You can't do it, though. Why? Haven't you followed the dude who tried to LS swap or did LS swap a Tesla 3? Yeah. It's like the amount of work he had to do, because you can't do a floor pan. There's no real firewall in the same sense. There's no hump for the transmission. It's a skateboard chassis. So the body has to come completely off. You can't use anything no, on the chassis. No, I, I, I know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, rich, you're basically... Rich, rich rebuilds. I've been following it for years. You're only using basically the body. I get it. And not all of the body. I get it, but can you imagine if someone put a diesel in this thing? I mean, that would be a million dollars probably to do. Mm. 
it, you'd get a lot think, of press. Think of the, would you get a million dollars worth? Maybe. Yeah. The the fabrication alone would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. To create it that. probably would be cheaper to make a lookalike body out of stainless steel, and then just put it over a Duramax truck. You know. Yeah, I just think that is a, a lot waste of, of time and effort. No, I mean it would be cool to have the only one, but there's no place for an axle. There's no place for a drive shaft. There's you have to create all that. So I, I don't. I mean, yeah, I love it in 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 the conversation, but I, uh, in reality, the amount of money I, I think that is a black hole of Benjamins that you just don't climb out of. I mean, it's really going to allow people to further diversify and personalize the Cybertruck because the reality is being stainless steel, they're not being painted, so they're all going to look the same. There's not even five colors like there is on a typical Tesla. It's one color. So how do you further personalize it? Well, you guys are offering a bevy of accessories. So for me, I kind of feel like, you know, on most trucks, you might look and go, wow, maybe it's accessory overkill. I don't think that's the case in the Cybertruck. I think people are going to be dying to have something different than the guy next to them. And there's all sorts of stuff that is functional, like... People don't realize the Cybertruck roof isn't exactly flat, so you don't have a flat surface to lay something for a roof rack. So you've used the rails around the spine to put in a, a roof rack system that... Ah, stop the presses. It's not flat? Nope. There's an arch to it? There's a little slight arch to it. So when you use the rails, you have to have uprights for your crossbars to make a flat. So if you look at no. the unplugged product here, that's flat. Those they rails are strength. I don't. I would. I guess so. Yeah. So can, when you're standing next to it, can you see that? Uh, I, the, I haven't the, seen a production one in person yet. Oh, but the one you saw in person was flat. No, no, no. The one I saw in person was the concept car. There wasn't one live at Unplugged. No, no, no. When you saw this truck years ago, right? It was the concept. It was. Oh. It was different. So it was. Flat, it was though. the very first version of this, and it's this one's twenty percent smaller and a bunch of other stuff. I got that. Yeah. But, but again, it was flat there, glass. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't carrying around you know rulers and you know <laughs> measuring sticks to see how flat panels were. Gotcha. Put in a, a roof rack system that will be lay flat so you can carry flat sheets of plywood on the back of it. You can use it like a truck. I know a lot of people are approaching it as a lifestyle vehicle, but Tesla released the specs today and it's going to have real, you know, real truck uh, payload numbers. And it is apparently super fast because it was towing a Porsche that beat a Porsche which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the fun things for today was watching that Porsche drag race video. And the uh, tractor pull. That as well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the specs are great, um, but as any car enthusiast knows, what the factory makes is the starting point, it's not the end point. Yeah. So it really comes down to what you do with the platform once the factory says, here you go. And today was the day where the factory said, here you go, first deliveries, do what you want with it. And this is kind of where we're headed. We're excited to see what customers do. We're excited to keep developing products for it. We think sky's the limit as far as what you can do with the vehicle. And it's just fun to, to introduce more EVs to segments that maybe we're skeptical, and that's fair. But the bottom line is, you know, to earn confidence that EVs are worthwhile, that has to perform. And that's yep. what we're used to doing. You know, on the same end with us on racing, we've been used to going to racetracks and people think, oh, this EV shouldn't be here. It isn't that fast. And if you go and look us up for lap records, we're beating almost every gasoline-powered car now with Teslas. The goal is just to make the most fun, most awesome car we can. We don't really, we're not here to say what's good or what's bad. I'm not a vegetarian, I eat meat. <laughs> like at the end of the day, like we're car enthusiasts yeah. that just want to have options. Yeah. And whether you like it or not, there's more and more EVs coming it, it, to the planet. So you might as well be funny EVs versus yeah, crappy EVs. Totally, I mean, I think it's that thing where choice is always good and EVs are gonna work for some people and they're not. I, I gotta say, it's refreshing to hear him say that. That he eats meat? Uh, no, I mean, it's like the guy who, the head of Rivian not long ago uh -huh. was kind of 
putting down people saying, how can you not love EV? How can you yeah. not think that this is the future? Well, again, that's the reason I but, brought but up he's, that. But he's being a realist the, here. Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring up their history with Nissan to kind of give you a, a sense of where they came from. They came from road racing and they came from JDM tuning and all that kind of stuff. It's not like they just were like, oh, we love EVs so much, we're going to jump into this. They have a great business. They have learned probably more than most people about EVs and EV customers and EV products, and that's great. But they're not just like the full-on EV apologists, which is which is refreshing. EVs are going to work for some people, and they're not going to work for others. But the fact that there's a company like yours that is embracing it, you're going to give the people who an EV works for is early adopter or is interested in some of the tech, whether it's silent crawling or you know 100% torque at zero RPM or you know some of the things I've talked about on the podcast when I've wheeled other EVs off road where you get closer up to nature because the animals aren't as scared of you. I mean, there's definitely cool things in the space, and some people don't want that experience, and some people will. It, it's fine. It's all about choice and options. The best part is, is you guys are going to cater to the person that decides this product is for them. And from your renderings, from the way it looks, it's it's even more moon buggy ish looking than than the uh, the original truck or the base truck, I guess you can say. And I think it's going to be polarizing. And lots of people have lots of opinions on it, and that's all good. But we've talked about this on the show before. Without aftermarket support, no truck survives. And so the one thing that I can tell everybody on the show that is for sure is you guys are up-leveling it in a really cool way, and I think you're going to turn more heads, and I think the Tesla Cybertruck platform is going to be better for it because of the products that you guys are making. So I think it's pretty awesome. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, one, one thing that's always been part of our business and our story is that we put our money where our mouth is. We do the hard work even before there's a customer. You know, when we started Unplug 10 years ago, no one wanted to modify EVs. We were the first to make performance parts. We're here again, there's maybe five customers right now for Cybertruck or whatever the deliveries were today, but we're investing in a future that we find exciting and people want to come along for the ride. We're excited to meet them out there and have fun together. Uh, and they can find you at unpluggedperformance.com? Absolutely. Nice. Thanks for bringing us that. Uh, man, it could not be more in the news. Not even possible. All right, so uh, we've hinted at this on the show a few times. I am really hesitant to talk about it just because I don't want to run afoul of anything. But I had a chance to see the Cybertruck weeks before it was officially unveiled. This is now years ago. What, three Three years? or four years ago, okay. whatever it happens to yep. be. It would be, uh, and it was November of back then, so it's a little over, you know. Prior to the baseball incident. Prior, and, and in fact, I was able to go there uh, Elon, met Elon, have pictures of me and Elon. I uh, was able to go there with the Motor Trend team. And had a chance to test the window with the steel ball and tested it from like six feet and like 12 feet and it didn't shatter the window. A whole story behind that, but I won't get into it. There's also something that I did in front of Elon that might have changed the direction of Cybertruck. And there was also um, some uh, feedback that we gave Elon directly about what we thought should be, shouldn't be, where it was, the shortcomings were. And if you notice, uh, the the actual specs are a little bit different than original. The vehicle is about 20% smaller than it was when it was in concept form, things like that. The only reason I bring it up is because uh, one of my friends in the journalist side, Mark Williams, was on Tim Esterdahl's, uh pickup truck uh, plus SUV talk on his podcast. And he talks about the experience a little bit without getting into too much detail but i wanted you to hear it from mark's point of view so wait a minute this is so we can tell more of the story that you can't talk about i think so all right i like it i'm not surprised at all that that 
they had decisions that were made beforehand and they're basically just giving us an early look and being receptive to any input we want to make. I mean, you know, Sean Holman, I love Sean Holman. He does amazing work. It is over at, at ORB magazine, OVR, mm -hmm. yep. doing amazing stuff too. He was there as well too. And he hammered them on aftermarket ideas and aftermarket friendly design that they need to incorporate into this vehicle if they want it to succeed long term. And he was very clear with them as well, too. It's fine if you don't want this to succeed long term. You want this to just to be a ta-da moment to get a lot of attention for five years and then come out with some different version in the in the redesign or remake. That's fine. That's a strategy that a lot of big and little companies have used before. But but he hammered hard on them saying, you need to get smarter. Because from what we were looking at in the pictures that they were using for motivation as to what kind of buyers were going to be interested in this vehicle didn't make a lot of sense to anybody who is interested in really using the vehicle, really appreciating it for the value it was giving them, and, and the work that it should be allowed to let people do, whether, whether that is a technically work aspect or a play or fun aspect. That anyway, again, that's uh, Mark Williams, who uh, was the editor of uh, Truck Trend back in the day. He's a freelancer. He's a freelancer now. And he was talking to Tim Esterdahl. Again, if you want to see that entire um, episode, it's on YouTube. Uh, you can find them on Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk. The episode's entitled Not for Truck Buyers. Motor Trend visited <laughs> Not uh, for truck buyers. Tesla Cybertruck in Development. Uh, I, I just want to bring that up because when they approached us, Mark and I had some serious feedback. Um, How long were you there? A couple hours. A couple hours. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we were we got to put on the VR goggles and look around. They had all the competitor trucks around, and they had this thing in there. It was a very interesting experience. Elon's crazy charismatic. He walks in the room. He's a bigger guy. He commands attention. Like he just has that kind of aura about him. It's very interesting. And when he talks to you that day that we met, he was off to Texas to do Starship stuff. You could tell that his mind was occupied with Lee. We had a short window with him, maybe 45 minutes with him. And then uh, Franz was there, the lead designer for the, the rest of the time or for the whole time. And you could tell he's, he's thinking in 3d while you're thinking in 2d, like he's somewhere else. He's asking you very specific questions and it, you could see it going through his head, but he's off somewhere. But like, Thinking about different, it's it's just very like. So he's multitasking. You can in his see brain, him, yes. You can see him multitasking. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And, and there was one uh, point where he handed me a tool and told me to do something, and that might have impacted uh, the uh, the Cybertruck. But I I don't why know if I can you, tell why, that story. Why can you still not talk about it? Like, well, is your NDA forever? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a copy you, of it, and it's Tesla, and they're super weird. So about those things. But now we know that they've shot it with pistols. Yeah. We with a hell a Tommy gun, right? Whatever they he used. he wanted and to shoot it at the press conference, like with a nine mil on stage, and like you can't do that, right? The reason I bring this up is because of unplugged performance and the accessories, and even with Tesla, I was hounding into them. You have to have truck accessories. You have to can have you, a market. No, in all seriousness, we're in we're in this space, this warehouse, yep. where you went to go see this the thing. design studio. What was the tone of your voice? I know it's friendly, obviously, because you're there. You're you're an invited guest. Yep. But what was the tone of your voice when you you were like you brought us in to give our opinion yep. as experts? Listen to me. 
if you like, did you implore them? Like you gotta be, you've got to embrace the aftermarket because those are the people that will use your product as a tool and they're the enthusiasts. They're not just people that are in it for the EV. Like what, I want to feel what you felt when you were there. Well, they pulled the cover off and we didn't actually believe it was the truck. We thought it was a joke. Uh, there's a picture of us with all the looks on our faces and we we're like sort of half smiling, like what the hell, trying to be polite. And they said, well, you know, this is it. And we're like, no, 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 that's, that can't be it. That's not what a real car looks like. And they said, no, this is, this is it. And we thought we were being punked. We literally thought like, there's no way. And we saw they were serious and it was like, oh, shit. and we were looking at each other going like, like, are we okay with this? Like, like is this, this is a problem? Is somebody going to say something about it? You could hear their passion. You could hear that they thought they had solved a lot of truck problems. I think they solved problems that nobody was asking to be solved. I think they created more problems that a, a normal truck person isn't going to be you know, interested in it. It's a lifestyle vehicle. I'm curious to see what it does. I don't hate it. I don't not hate it. I, I'm indifferent, but I'm curious about no, it. No, but you're, you're not getting at the... Take me to that moment at which There wasn't a moment. It was them, several hours. No, no, I get it. But like, I, what were you telling them that I, they needed to do? Did you say, guys are going to want to put bumpers on this? And yes. they said, why would you, you want to put bumpers on You need to have it? bumper cut lines on the body. You need to make sure it's durable. You need to make sure you have the right suspension. You have to have a minimum of a 35-inch tire. You have to be able to have full skid plating. You have to have... How many of these things that you were saying were new to them? I don't know. They're not going to go, oh, we never thought of that. They're just nodding and taking notes and oh, all okay. that kind of stuff. Okay. That's Talked why you have to take me there. That's why you have to have a 12-volt battery system so you can put your Baja Design lights on it and your Midland radio and all of your accessories and all that. And they showed us some of the forward thinking that they were doing, and it was interesting. Uh, and Elon, meeting him was was incredible. It was one of those things where it'll be, you know, especially with Elon's, you know, higher profile now, I'll... You know, I'll go back and look at back at my life at some point and go, yeah, I met that guy. That's pretty cool. He's, he's a fascinating dude. He he responded. I sent him a three-page email. I wasn't unkind, but I also was very frank with what I thought it needed to to be. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I won't tell you about the materials change from titanium to stainless, although that happened. I could say maybe there's a piece of that that involved me, but I'll I'll let that go and just know like there's that was an interesting part. Maybe someday I can tell that story. I don't think today is that day. But one of the things they said was, and I don't mean to make them sound like they weren't f aware or smart or fully thinking or whatever, but one of the things that was in my email was they said it's the same width as a Ford Raptor. I went, okay, that's great. How do you get in it? And they're like, what do you mean? I said the four Raptor is only that wide at the at the track width, not at the body. So you still go in a normal parking spot and you can open the door and get out. I go, with you guys having the track width and the body the same width, there's no way for you to get out of the, the truck in a parking spot. I don't think it's any secret that it became 20% smaller after the concept came out because it has to be usable, right? Like there's practical things. It's nice to be in your fishbowl and, and say, I want this, this, and that, but there's practical things that you have to do with it. So that's just one example. There's probably 20 more like that. So anyway, the, the, I, I just bring it up because uh, with Mark kind of talking about it, I'm sure more stories will come out about it. It was a really interesting experience, but I have had some sort of cyber truck sort of involvement to think about for years now, even though I only went that, that one time and interacted in email after that. 
It's not like I was consulting on it or anything. Did you but, ever hear a response from that email? Like, thank you yeah. or no? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was about it. Did Elon respond and say thank you? Uh, I think so. Uh, and then that was it. I, you know, after that, it was, it, you know, radio silent. They went on their way. It's just neat that I've had access to something like that. So again, when I when I see people just outright bashing the Cybertruck or, or bashing like the product line, oh, that's stupid. And why would you do that? To me, it's different because I saw it early. I, I, I hopefully helped to influence it a little bit to make it a little bit more realistic and better. And I'm excited that there's an aftermarket company that's really taking on uh, Cybertruck to make it cooler for the rest of us or people on the fence or people who buy it, who want to go do something more, better, different, whatever. That's there's a whole reason why, you know. There are no shortage of those people. No, there's not. There's not. And so... I saw the passion within the Tesla team. I saw them truly doing something different that nobody in the automotive industry was, would even consider doing. And you have to give them props for that. So anyway, that's I wanted to bring that up because it's. I feel like this is the right time where I can kind of talk about it a little bit. It was a cool experience. I hope the Cybertruck is a little bit better for it. I hope people who buy the Cybertruck are excited because I think it's going to bring in a new customer who isn't your traditional Tesla customer and people who just want to be different people and um, look, dude, great. The, look, a lot of the people we've talked about it many, many times, people were into Ford Raptors and they tried it out and got TRXs because it was the fastest truck, the quickest truck sure. you could buy. They're going to bail on the TRX. They're going to get the Cybertruck because it's zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. Yeah. But are they going to be like, I drove it home and then I'm like, okay, that was cool. It's I, entirely I, possible, right? I mean, look at how many Hummers are flooding the market It's now. entirely possible. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's all the it's a, it's a novelty. Adopter, it's, it's a novelty right. and it's early adopter up front. It'll be interesting to see what happens downstream from buying that truck, right? I mean, is it is it a car you keep for 10 years? Is it a car you keep for one year? Is it a car you go, nah, I want my 100 bucks back. I don't know. It's possible. I, I mean- but the, our, our job here isn't to, isn't to roll the hate further, our job here is to talk about all the things. Like we talk about EVs, we talk about gas, we talk about diesel, we talk about hybrids. It's all relevant to our audience. And all we're doing is bringing you the, the news with a little bit of editorialization so around I've, it. But. I've received a couple of emails from our listeners that also put $100 deposits on. I'm sure. And it's funny, until we really started talking about it, I think they probably just kept it to themselves because they're like, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, not. my friends are truck guys and they'll just, they'll, they'll you know, harsh my mellow. Listen, go go buy what makes you happy. At the end of the day, that's, yeah. that's what really matters. Nothing else matters. I just wanted to bring that up because I, I think it's now the time is right. You've got the intersection of an aftermarket company coming together with some comments that I made early in the development of what it needed to be. And I'm kind of feeling like, you know, the aftermarket upgraded version is so much better, but you couldn't have done it if Tesla didn't put the right pieces in place to allow an aftermarket to go in so well like it's it. interesting if they didn't have bumper mounts for example like where would you even put those unplugged bumpers like were there and i don't know this yeah i would imagine that they probably didn't have provisions for maybe they did maybe of, they didn't we don't we, i don't know yeah, what, I don't it's know. all conjecture yeah, so. yeah. Hmm. all right well uh let's uh get away from the future for a little bit and get into the now with a little bit of truck news what's what? new in trucks we need to know What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah, why just me? I Damn would, it. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. I was going to do it, but I I looked over, I start making the noise, and then you're not doing anything. Yeah, the, 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 the you pro- didn't take a breath. I, I could tell right away you were going to do it because you didn't inhale. Well, the funny thing is, is there was sort of like a moment 
and then you faded out hard. Because I looked to my right, uh-huh. there was nothing coming out of your face, and I just bailed on it. That and, sucked. And that was it. Yeah. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Nope, didn't. So our friends over uh, at Toyota got in a little bit of hot water over in the UK for, quote-unquote, lacking a sense of responsibility to society. <laughs> oh, no. Why? Oh, what man. Well, apparently uh, they had the Hilux, which is uh, sort of like their Tacoma over there, and uh, they ran afoul of the United Kingdom's Advertising Standards Authority, and two Toyota Hilux advertisements uh, were banned from the UK. And it said they uh, banned the truck ad for, quote-unquote, not being socially responsible enough environmentally, uh, according to uh, The Guardian. What? So the video that got banned shows uh, several dozen Hilux trucks driving off-road, crossing a river before getting back on the paved road and then driving through the city. And then another ad focuses on a couple of trucks that are off-roading, throwing up dirt while cresting a hill, while another uh, large number of trucks follow in the background. And according to the UK's ASA... Um, those, uh, those ads again, quote unquote, condone the use of vehicles in a manner that disregarded their impact on nature and the environment. They had not been prepared with a sense of responsibility to society. And, uh, uh, of course, some damn group called the ad free cities was behind the complaint and it was joined by another group called, uh, badvertising and, <laughs> advertising. uh, they basically, uh, have a quote from, uh, Ad-Free Cities co-director Veronica Wignall says, uh, and I don't know if I should do it in a really bad British voice, yes, but uh, do, no, do, I'm not do going Do it to. in female British voice. Uh, um, you can so do it. These adverts epitomize Toyota's total disregard for nature and the climate by featuring enormous, highly polluting vehicles driving at speed through rivers and wild grasslands. She later added, it's a cynical use of nature to promote something incredibly nature-damaging. Toyota says, uh, Toyota does not condone behavior that is harmful to the environment. In fact, the course... Over the past three decades, not only has Toyota been one of the leaders in automotive field in terms of carbon emissions and reduction, it shared hundreds of royalty-free licenses, allowing others to use its electrification technology. Anyway, they claim the video was shot outside the UK on private land in a non-ecologically sensitive environment and that the uh, poster was actually computer-generated. So it doesn't matter. You made some uh, some people mad, and they uh, they complained. Good for Toyota. Good for Toyota. Making some of the world's cleanest vehicles... And they make a couple of truck ads, and now they're the devil. And now they are the devil. You can suck it, ASA, whoever you are in the UK. I'm glad I'm not in London anymore. Wow. (laughs) Bet you wouldn't have said that before you went there. No, I would have been happy to be there. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! No. Uh, Speaking of uh, Toyota, you can still buy a shorty three-door Toyota Land Cruiser 70. What? So uh, We we talked about how the 70 series was uh, redesigned. And uh, and is available overseas. And uh, apparently, even though it's been around uh, almost 40 years, it's still available. And only in the United Arab Emirates can you get the three-door. I love the UAE. Show me a photo. There you go. Oh, I, it's I, so rad. that's so cute. I know. I don't use cute very often, but that is cute. I, I love everything about it. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's proportioned properly. I, I feel like I've said this in the last three episodes. That's a Lego car. That, that's, that's, that's also a Lego car. Yeah. Everything to use a Lego they car. Just, they're, when they're that small and boxy, they're just Legos. You know what I mean? Um, that's, a, that's a good look. I like that. I like the little itty. I'm, I'm in the mood for a, a little itty bitty trucklet. Uh, hey, Lighting, did you hear? No. Mm-mm. 
Apparently, uh, there is a new Suburban in town, uh, the return of the Chevy Suburban HD. When did it go away? Well, it's been gone for a while. That was the 8-lug Suburban, and you have not been able to get one for uh, at least a generation or two. Is that true? So my no, I'm wife... making it up on the podcast because no, 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 I feel I, like I, it. I, so my wife had a... What was that? The GMT what? So she had an 8-lug four-wheel drive Suburban, brand new. Probably an 800. 2000 five-ish, somewhere in there. Okay, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it is. You're right. Hmm, wow. Uh, You will not be able to get one. This is a completely new vehicle underneath. It's called the HD SUV for heavy-duty sport utility, and it is an armored Suburban from GM Defense that has taken the General Motors uh, truck body and manufacturing to create these things. Apparently, the government loves it so much they're buying up to three hundred million dollars worth of these uh, armored suburbans knowing the government that's what 10 of them probably uh specifically uh it's going to be used for the u.s uh, state department for uh, security services and uh anyway wonder what's under the hood so if you remember back in uh, september of 21 uh we had talked about it they uh had basically uh, had an initial $36.4 million government contract uh, for the new heavy duties. And, well, these ones, uh, according to our friends over at TFL Truck, uh, appear to ride on heavy-duty eight-lug hubs and axles. The uh, image shows uh, thick bulletproof front and side glass. And according to GM Defense, it'll be a 6.2-liter gas V8 with a 10-speed or the 3-liter Duramax uh, i6 with the 10-speed as well. Gotcha. Makes sense. So... Also, according to GM Defense, the vehicle includes a new and unique body-on-frame chassis, suspension specifically designed to support the increased vehicle weight and performance requirements. So, I think it'll be cool. Get yourself a uh, armored Suburban. Oh, wait, you can't. You are not the U.S. government. Sorry. No, no. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No way. No? Mm-mm. Going back to uh, Tesla, apparently uh, the range extender, there's some more information. That is the in-bed battery pack. That uh, bolts into the Cybertruck. According to uh, sources on the internet, the uh, battery pack might cost (laughs) $16,000 and weigh over 500 pounds. Whoa! That's not right. No, that's uh, that's, that's heavy. That's silly. But it would get uh, closer to that uh, 500-mile range that they originally promised. So... They said it adds around 130 miles of additional range to the Cybertruck's stated 340, which means it would need around 47 kilowatt hours of uh, usable storage or about 450 pounds in just batteries alone. So that seems to be a lot. They're talking it it might have as many as 5,754,680 cells. What? Because the five million te- the, cells. The Tesla three long range battery battery pack, which weighs uh, are they using those little CR twenty five watch batteries? I have no idea. So the uh, Tesla Model three long range weighs approximately a thousand sixty pounds, and consists of four point four million cells, weighing in at sixty eight grams each. So according to Inside EVs, this works out to six hundred sixty two pounds of cells, or sixty three percent of the pack weight. So they did a little math there to figure out what the uh, the pricing and all that would be. That's a that's a lot of that's a lot of cheddar, my friend. Mm-hmm. So when you get your Cybertruck, will you be getting that option? Yes, yes, I will. Uh, okay. The second option is: Will you outfit your Cybertruck with the optional color? I know I lied earlier. Wait, wait, wait. I, uh, hold on. This is the first I'm hearing about color. Uh, the optional color, which uh, I lied about and said there were no other optional colors, will be 
Stainless steel. So the optional colors will be a black wrap or a white wrap. Wait. So no, uh, you can, lame. No way. They're yep. they're offering wraps from the factory. Sixty five hundred dollars. That's a stupid and b lame. I actually uh, wish they would offer that F one fifty wrap they trolled with the uh, spy photos because that was way rather. That's that's funny. I would be all about that. But at least your uh, stainless steel won't get uh, fingerprints or scratches on it. Well, you, I, I would understand maybe a like an expel wrap or something that's clear and protective. Well, you can, someone's going to do, do that yourself. I mean, someone's going to do a matte wrap. They'll do some freaky glossy color. Uh-huh. I want to see someone take all the panels off, electropolish them, so they're like basically chrome. You know, mirror finish. People will mirror do that. finish. They'll and do they, it. Yeah, they're going to do that. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? Oh, no. No. Mm -mm. 3,882 dealerships spanning all 50 states have sent a letter to the president calling on the president of the United States to tap the brakes on the proposed electric vehicle mandate. You can go to evvoiceofthecustomer.com and uh, read the letter. You can also uh, download the list of supporting dealers. So the dealers end the letter with this paragraph, which I thought was really well written. Mr. President, it's time to tap the brakes on the unrealistic government electric vehicle mandate. Allow time for the battery technology to advance. Allow time to make BEVs more affordable. Allow time to develop domestic sources for the minerals to make the batteries. Allow time for the charging infrastructure to be built and be proven reliable. And most of all, allow time for the American consumer to get comfortable with the technology and make the choice to buy an electric vehicle, sincerely supporting dealerships. And I think that's a common sense approach. I can't say I disagree with any of that. Again, I don't hate EVs. I just think hybrids for now are the right way to go as a transitional technology. I still love internal combustion and uh, consumers should have choice. That's all. Here, here. All right, well, let's uh, let's move on from EVs. And uh, what do you say we talk to Juan DePena over at Ford? He is the chief engineer of the Ford Ranger. With an internal combustion engine! It's the inside job, baby! Yes, it is. It's the inside job now! Uh-huh. It's the inside job, baby! It's time for you to share what you do. Good afternoon, Juan de Pena. Hey, Juan. Great to uh, be on the phone with you. Last time we chatted was back in May, and I was out in uh, Michigan to see the uh, the new Ranger. And, of course, you're the chief program engineer for Ford Ranger, and you guys have got to be uh, just super excited to get this truck out the door. Absolutely. Great to talk to you again, Sean. We've been very busy. We're getting awfully close to actually starting to ship trucks to our dealerships. So, you know, it's an exciting time, very busy time. Literally, I'm looking forward to just a little rest. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I have meetings. I know we'll be having meetings through the holidays, uh, but it's it's a labor of love. So, you know, uh, we've been working on it for a long time, and, and it's like, you know, literally the baby's being uh, – uh, it's coming into the world. So very excited. So let's uh, recap what the uh, the new sixth generation Ranger is, and it's uh, based on a global platform. A lot of the uh, engineering was done in Australia. In fact, it is neck and neck with Hilux right now to take over the best selling is it truck or vehicle in Australia. Like you guys are are back and forth right now on this. And the reason I bring that up is because obviously Tacoma here in the U.S. is refreshed. The Canyon Colorado twins are are refreshed. There's a lot happening in the midsize truck space. And I can I can imagine Ford with its leadership position in Super Duty and F one fifty 
really wants to have that crown in the midsize market as well. It would be ideal to have that crown in, in North America. Absolutely. Uh, to own trucks wholly in the North American market would be uh, a wonderful uh, bragging rights. The Ranger is number one in Europe, and it's doing super duper well in the ASEAN market, as, as you just alluded to. We are the fifth launch globally of the new P703. You know, it's the code word for the Ranger. It's completely redesigned inside and out. When you and I talked uh, last time, I spent a lot of time talking about how do we meet the promise of build for tough uh, with the Ranger. And, and we spent a lot of time talking about how we prove it out and a lot of the underbody, you know, the frame, the backbone of the vehicle, the suspension, the new engines, et cetera. And then at the end, you know, we spent a lot of time in the cabin, which is all new and all the technology that we offer. I think uh, we're bringing more and more and more to offer to the to our customers and especially addressing a lot of what they told us that they wanted, which was, you know, more they definitely wanted more power, but, you know, customers always want, you know, truck buyers always want more power, more towing, more payload. And this time, we think uh, with the refreshed, all-new Ford Ranger, we've got a very compelling product. So that's one of the questions that I had for you is when you're looking at the truck landscape, I would argue that no time in the Ranger's history, except for maybe the first-generation truck, has there been parity with the design feel and vibe as well as the technology that's in the bigger F-150? How does the midsize market customer differ from the full-size truck market customer? And how do you make the Ranger a viable option for somebody in the midsize space who might be a tweener? Maybe they want a full-size, maybe they want a midsize, they're not really sure... How do you cater to make the midsize stand out as a different product while still having that family DNA in it? Our Maverick truck, obviously, it's a very urban product, right? And and so it's 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 entry level. It's not. It, it has elements of the Billboard tough quality, reliability, and durability, but obviously, it doesn't have the off-road capability that you get in a Ranger. A Ranger, you essentially have what you get in an F-150 in a smaller garageable package. So all-terrain capability, smart technology, right, which enables your off-road adventures, and, you know, true 4x4 off-road, off-the-beaten-path capability and reliability. That's the role that the Ranger plays within the Ford truck portfolio. In an F-150, you get, you know, a full-size capability for work and play, Similar technology, but obviously a much, much bigger package, right? Larger towing capability and payload, of course. And then when you go up to Super Duty, Super Duty is we own work. So I think uh, the Ranger, its essence is tough freedom. It's able to – it's a more personal vehicle, right? It's not intended to be as dedicated, I'll say, for work. It's really designed and geared for that adventurous person who uh, has hobbies, likes to go off the beaten path and they want true capability in a truck, right? They want to haul maybe a small RV or a small boat uh, or some other hobby. And and that's what the product offers. So in the interior, as you know, you spend a lot of time in the interior, right? The previous generation Ranger, you know, that's where it it really needed to sort of improve on was just that the customer touch points, right? Because that's where the customer spends most of their time is in the cabin. And that cabin was dated, 
right? Because that product had launched many years ago, uh, rest of the world, and then uh, North America picked it up in 2019. So it was already a bit mature when we picked it up. And so now being able to sort of launch it at the same time globally and have that all new interior, uh, you know, all new instrument panel, new seats, all the technology that we offer in like in the F-150 and all the other showroom products, being able to offer that to the customer. So now it's a very coddling, high-tech interior, gorgeous interior, and very capable and very uh, a lot of utility. Uh, but also bring even more uh, performance in terms of that off-road capability with the new 2.7-liter twin-turbocharged EcoBoost availability and also the even bigger twin-turbocharged 3-liter EcoBoost, which comes in on our all-new Ranger Raptor, which, again, it's our first introduction of the Ranger Raptor into the market. So this is, uh, we'll un- uh, unpack a few things here because there's a lot I want to cover. As a previous Ranger owner, I was disappointed when Ford made the announcement that they were going to kill the Ranger product line. And Ranger was out of the portfolio for, what, almost a decade or something like that. And at the time, it was said, you know, well, the midsize truck market isn't really viable. My argument was, no, it had been ignored because all the trucks in the segment were so old that basically, you know, uh, buyers were going other places. There wasn't the technology. And and then when the, the, the current fifth gen was brought over to America, obviously, as you mentioned, a global truck, it felt like that you know Ford was back. I mean, Ford had a complete truck lineup, and and to your point, the only thing I didn't really like about that truck was the interior. I just felt like it was dated when it hit the hit the shores here in in the U.S. But the new truck is fully modern, uh, very much a truck upright dash. That really nice uh, center stack uh, display that's in uh, portrait mode as opposed to landscape on some of the other competition. So that kind of gives it a different feel and in in a little bit. I think it fits the dash better, whereas some of the other trucks kind of have this big tablet sticking up out of the dash. The Ranger is really integrated into the center of the dash, so it feels like it's a part of the truck and, and not an add-on. And I want to touch on some of the adventure stuff. Some of the numbers that I think are going to be pretty important to people, uh, max towing uh, on the 4x2 is 7,500 pounds. Same with 4x4, one body style only, Super Crew. So uh, that'll be the, the one body style offered here. And the max payload uh, on the 4x2, 1,805 pounds, and on the 4x4, 1,711. That 1,711 number represents a pretty significant uh, jump in payload, not only for Ranger, but also in the midsize truck segment. And as people go on adventures and they weigh their vehicles down with a, a lot of gear, the one thing you'll see, especially let's, I, we'll, we'll say it for what it is, the Tacoma, does not have a very great uh, a very high payload and so people are always overloading those was payload something that consumers were asking for or was that something that you guys sort of discovered was a need that nobody really knew they needed in the midsize space when we're defining the product very very early on you got to pick and choose where you're going to put your money right because that's where you're going to put your engineering uh, resources etc the added capability of this you know of, of our reworked architecture, Right, it's it's a the frame as as we talked is two inches wider, in track width, two inches longer in wheelbase, uh, better approach and departure and breakover angles. So we, we try to to again maximize all these key metrics, and in doing so, you know, and obviously you're trying to balance all your goals. Right, we have a 2.3 liter four, as you know, as which is uh, carryover the new 2.7 liter EcoBoost six cylinder, and then ultimately in the range of the three liter uh, EcoBoost. 
as we do all that and you sort of you know uh, start to define this envelope of capability you try to see with your powertrain cooling pack you know how far can you take it if you have you know a larger cooling package right obviously gives you better better cooling capability for your for your fluids uh, but as you do that you pick up additional weight additional cost and on and on and on so you you kind of you're always making trade-offs and for us you know, getting off the beaten path to where you want to go is part of the experience, but you got to bring stuff with you. <laughs> and clearly, you know, customers love to personalize their products, not just because they want it to look like them, <laughs> but, you know, obviously, you know, some people, I don't want to say posers, but some people, you know, <laughs> uh, do a lot to their vehicles and they never take it There's off. There's a few of those people right? driving around on the freeways here in Southern California, as I would imagine the uh, the rest of the country. A couple. There's a couple where you look and you go, that thing has never been off-road. Now, there's a lot of people out there and truck enthusiasts will bash that guy and they'll be like, oh, that guy doesn't even off-road or that guy doesn't even use his truck. I, I come from a completely different standpoint and my standpoint is, that guy is awesome because he just built the truck and then didn't use it for the guy who's going to buy it from him in the used car market. So the secondary market guy is going to love that guy because <laughs> he's buying a fully built, pristine truck. So I'm okay with those people because they allow uh, you know some of the people who will use it to, to get in at a more affordable rate in the secondary market. So I'm totally fine with it. That is spot on right. That's exactly right. And so so we shouldn't besmirch that customer because <laughs> there are uh, some of them out there. As we think about the, how the customer is going to interact with the truck, what they're going to do with it, try to uh, – we spend a lot of time thinking about the customer's ability accessorize the product, right? So I think, you know, we, we sort of showed you how we have on our box, you know, rail tops, we've got these access panels where you can essentially, you know, attach a load straight onto the structure versus the top of the box, which is, you know, from a from a moment arm creation standpoint, ideally you'd like to manage that load right to the strongest part of the structure, right? I, from a durability standpoint. And so we spent a lot of time, again, on making sure that that box, the working in the truck, was going to be as useful to the customer as possible. And, it, it, you know, to, to your point, we're carrying stuff, so the payload is a big part of it. So I think that that obviously influenced, you know, where we made and how we made our trade-off decisions. I think on our tailgate, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an assisted dent tailgate, so it's that's new to us before, you know, you'd, you'd open it and it would just drop. Now it's it's a controlled, damped opening and it's assisted on the way up. So it's it's easier. It's not power, but we also added uh, clamp pockets, right? So you could actually have a two by four and have a work surface created on the working end of the truck, right? We have a 400 watt power inverter, uh, which again, allows you to, to you know, power tools and, and do some work in the back or if you had a campsite, power a grill, you know, have some entertainment, that kind of thing. We have zone lighting, right? With the Ford Pass app, uh, you can control the location of the light, or you could do it, you know, from the center screen of the vehicle, uh, which comes in two sizes, a 10-inch and a 12-inch. So I think we are offering a lot of new features with the goal of making sure that our customers who spend so much time in the interior of the vehicle, but their vehicle takes them somewhere so they could, you know, live their lives and their hobbies. Well, again, we try to to maximize those features to make their adventures, you know, even more fun. And the accessorizing portion of it was a lot of what we spent our time on was making sure that, and by the way, we have like 300 plus accessories that'll be available at job one with the Ranger. So that was a lot of our thinking was, again, uh, uh, this customer uh, wants to go off-road, 
And when they go off road, they sometimes you go off road just to play, right? Go on a cool trail as part of a group. Hopefully, you're not going too far off to be in pack by yourself. Uh, but also, you know, go off and camp. And when you're camping, right, it's almost like like an overlanding adventure, right? You, you're going to bring stuff with you so you can be out there for for some time and be comfortable. You know, have as much of the creature comforts that you're used to, but have them, you know, in the outback in a way. Yeah, I think that, you know, Ford really embracing the aftermarket and thinking of ways to design the truck to be aftermarket friendly is huge, especially because there isn't a truck that has ever survived that didn't have full aftermarket support. And I would imagine that the uh, the Ranger is going to benefit from that Ford ecosystem of people who are, who are excited about the platform coming up. Uh, we mentioned the 2.3 liter EcoBoost 4, which is, uh, which is currently available in today's truck. That is 270 horsepower and 310 pound-feet of torque. And of course, you guys have a step-up engine, which is the 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6, uh, which is 315 horsepower and 400 pound-feet of torque. My question, and I'm trust me, I'm happy about this because that 2.7, A, it's a great motor, um, but B, Everybody else is either jumping directly into hybrid only or only offering a small turbocharged four. You guys are sort of bucking the trend with having a V6. And what was the thought process behind having the V6? And again, I'm not complaining. I think it's awesome. And I think once again, it's for me, it's a a Ford leadership thing where you're like, no, we're not going to simplify, oversimplify it with one, you know, engine offering. We're going to let people have choice. And Ford's always been good about choice. But how did you get the V6 pushed through, and what do you think the take rate's going to be? What do you think the response from from enthusiasts are going to be? I, I can imagine customers are pretty happy to know that a V6 is available again. Fully agree. I think customers are going to be very happy that they're going to have the power of choice. I right? think they, they can get a 2.3 liter, 4, 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6, or you know, go all the way up to the 3 liter EcoBoost on the uh, V6 on the on the on Ranger Raptor. So Ranger Raptor, by the um, way, I'll throw in there is a 405 horsepower, 430 pound feet of torque for the 3 liter. So that will be the the only uh, engine on the on the Raptor. But going back on the regular uh, non Raptorized Rangers. Those numbers, so 270, uh, 310, and 315, 400, that's on 87 gas, too. So you're getting, uh, on the V6, 400 (laughs) pound-feet of torque on pump grade 87. That's exactly right. And, uh, you know, they're all matched uh, uh, with 10-speed sled shift auto transmission. So the goal is to assure, you know, maximum uh, fuel economy, maximum power, and ideals uh, are shifting. Right, uh, the more gears, the better you could put that power to the ground, with uh, with a you know smoother transition, more you know better efficiency. Remember earlier I had mentioned making trade offs, right? Picking and choosing yep. where you're going to put your money, and you you have to do that as well on the powertrain, on the power pack side, right? And a hybrid setup, right? A a, a full an HEV. Or plug-in hybrid, you know, pick uh, whichever one you want. It's having an electrical architecture with a, with with an electric motor and the battery, uh, the inverter, all that good stuff, together with the traditional ICE uh, internal combustion engine bits, right? So uh, it's it's almost like having you know two power packs in one from a cost standpoint and complexity. And, I mean, I think if you're uh, looking at adventure and complexity, yeah. and the mass exactly. Exactly. And as you increase that mass, you're going to affect your payload, you're going to affect your, your towing capability, etc. So I think it's in 
early on when, when we decided, you know, our customers, 76% of Ranger customers were, were telling us that they wanted more power. And that compared to about 60% for the traditional mid-side pickup customer in terms of, of desiring more performance. So 76% of our Ranger customers were screaming at us saying, I want more power. That 2.7 liter uh, EcoBoost V6 is more power. <laughs> it's more capability and it's doing so where we're not picking up some of the trade-offs that you're going to get when you have an HEV setup. You guys are at 34,160 for the base uh, uh, Ranger to get into a, a Ranger for 24, and that's a few thousand dollars more expensive when the, than the competition until you realize you only have one body style. So you really have to compare that number versus their crew cab, and you guys are very competitive. To your point, we're offering our our four-door crew cab is standard. Our six-foot bed is standard. In that regard, you know, again, we made choices based on, on the take rate of our previous, you know, uh, our super cab, which, you know, had the, uh, a mini-door approach. And at the end of the day, you got to select where it makes sense to, to have a choice, uh, where it doesn't. And as you do all that, you again, you're trying to manage cost, right? Because at the end of the day, it's all about having a business equation that makes sense for the customer in terms of maximizing the value that they're going to be getting and the capability that they're going to be getting and still uh, you know, allowing us to have a good business case. So right? let's uh, look at it this way. Offering. You could have a uh, regular cab, a uh, super cab, a super crew, and you could have done that. And 80% of your buyers would have bought the crew cab anyway. And exactly. you looked at it and said, exactly well, right. if 80% were buying the crew cab, why don't we get rid of the other body and we can give you a V6 with more power and 400 pound-feet of torque in a mid-size package? And that's the trade-off that you're talking that's about, ex- right? That is exactly it. And and for us at Ford Uniquely, the new Ford Ranger is built side-by-side side next to the Ford Bronco. You know, in the same plant, we, we're building both. They are brethren on, under the skin. They are related. And we need to manage within our four walls, we got to manage complexity of, of assembly. Too much complexity tends to be the enemy of quality <laughs> because sure. if that operator has to choose between you know 10 different things versus between three, there's potential for error. And then you got to have a quality system, you know, quality operating system to cat, you know, check for errors and fix those errors. At the end of the day, it becomes hidden factory inefficiency and, and that's waste. And, and again, and some of those error states are going to get to our customers. So uh, complexity, you know, there's good complexity and bad complexity, too much complexity, especially when the take rates are so low. In a constrained environment where we're all, you know, we're, we're making both the Bronco, which is, you know, it's maxed out production, and the Ranger, the previous generation Ranger was running quite well in terms of volume. We have high hopes for as well, but but we're still managing all that complexity and the, man, to, the total manufacturing capacity out of that one single plant. So we also internally had to make choices like that. And, so all that factored into into the offering. And we can be honest, Bronco is a pretty complex product too. Soft top, hard top, two-door, four-door, different drivetrains, different trim levels, different suspension. Yes. So making Ranger less complex to go side-by-side side in the factory – and, and have a Ranger sequence in the line between, you know, a, a already complex Bronco product, I can see why you guys would prioritize streamlining Ranger. And Ranger's probably the, I would imagine, the volume play. And, you know, that's going to be huge from, a, I guess, a traditional truck guy, kind of the guerrilla marketer standpoint. The, the Bronco's more of a fun car. Ranger is more of a, you know, fun and work. And so it has to... It, 
I think in that market, any kind of quality, I think Bronco, things like that, people kind of shrug it off because it's a fun car. In a truck that's made for work or to make money for somebody, or what, they they can't have any of that, right? Like they, they it needs to be a hundred percent all the time. Ab- spot on, absolutely. I think a, a Bronco customer is going to be forgiving for having you know a, a, a small quality issue that doesn't strand them ideally. Right? Sure, yeah. But almost like a nuisance issue. Yeah. A pickup truck customer, exact opposite. They'll be going to be hypersensitive to it. So quality is absolutely extremely important to our target customer i mean when we initially were defining the product we we, we thought by the way of, of a de-risking sort of strategy or approach and that had us you know pick and choose because as, as we offer now three power packs because we got the two three the two seven and the three liter we brought in some additional complexity so we had to manage try to offset that in other areas where our customers really weren't appreciating that additional choice, like as we talked about, right, with the regular cab or, sure. or our regular super cab in the old product. So, yeah, we definitely had to make choices, you know, tough choices, I'll say. It would have been nice to have offered uh, a super cab and crew cab, but uh, the take rate on the crew cab is, is it's massive. It was it was hands down the, the, the volume leader. So that's what you see. I think when you look around, you know, the marketplace, a lot of, um, I think everybody's really dropped the, uh, the regular cab from the midsize truck, um, which I, I, I hate because if I had to buy something just to motor me around town, I'd rather have a regular cab, short box, you know, midsize truck than, you know, uh, EV pod or something like that, you know? So I'm sad to see those trucks go away because I think they were, you know, for me, my age, my group, growing up in high school, that was the that was the car everybody wanted was just a, a a small regular cab pickup truck. That was just that's it was simple. You could bounce it into things. You could hit curbs with them. Didn't care. Super durable, uh, and you could put all your friends yeah. and your stuff in the back. Right. I'm in the same boat as you. When I see a regular cab that's been treated right, yeah, I'm like that looks pretty sweet. To me, it seems like the right proportions. Totally. And it's very, it's a very personal vehicle. And so I absolutely empathize with you on, on boy, the regular cab, there's a lot to say for it because there's a customer that doesn't have kids or doesn't have pets. And really, and, it's you know, like the lone wolf point, guy, right? right? <laughs> that, that, exactly. that, that that's exactly it. He doesn't need anything but transportation, but he needs function. He's got one car. I, I you know, I know, I know you're not on the, the marketing arm. You, you, you know, those guys and product planners make the decisions on what you basically have to come to market with, with your toolbox that you, you know, that you have. But if somebody came out with a $22,000 stripped down regular cab pickup, um, that didn't have a lot of fluff. That that had maybe a decent stereo, had Apple CarPlay, and beyond that was just a simple, you know, two or four wheel drive long bed regular cab. Those things would be so hard to keep in stock because everybody would be like, "Finally, I just want my basic no frills, you know, pickup truck that's going to get me around." And I feel like we've gone so, uh, you know, let's face it, one we're soft. <laughs> we're a lot softer than we yeah, used to yeah. be, right? I mean, all these trucks coddle us now. Pizza comforts, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I, I still, I, I, maybe it's just my internal, you know, uh, self saying, you know, you need to prove that you're a little tougher than than you think you are. Uh, but you know, the return of a true, you know, affordable regular cab would be cool. So, you know, we were talking about uh, manufacturing complexity plants fact that the Ranger is a global platform it launched in in 22 in uh, almost every other continent in the country from the global platform 
to America, what were the changes that were made for the truck to work in the North American market? Because we know overseas, most places don't have a half-ton truck. Most places, the mid-sized truck is the truck, especially like Southeast Asia and, and places like that. And even Australia, there's a huge movement now for them to uh, get right-hand drive full-size trucks because they're like, oh man, these Americans have something figured out. Even though the platform and the bones or the hard points may be the same, lots of things change. Could you walk our audience through what were some of the things, you know, you can't just pluck an Australian or a, a Thailand or a European Ranger, pluck it out of their continent and drop it in the U.S. It's not the same truck. It's the same platform. It's the same family. What changed? What, what had to happen to make it uh, right for the North American customer? Got it. I think uh, uh, probably the, the biggest uh, component that changed was the power pack offering. In the rest of the world, it's mostly diesel. Heavy diesel. In North America, obviously, you know, it's the exact opposite, right? It's all gasoline. And by, and by the way, the Raptor, it's strictly gasoline globally. Uh, so that we share in common. But in the base truck, uh, we're, the, we're the only market that has a base truck that's strictly gasoline. And in the other markets, base trucks do not offer gasoline. I think that's probably the the biggest, you know, at a at a high level. I mean, obviously, in North America, you got to meet FMVSS, CMVSS, right? Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standards, Canadian Motor Vehicle Safety Standards. Those are different than European uh, standards and and ASEAN standards. But obviously, when you're designing a global product, you tend to sort of maximize performance for a lot of those basic sort of safety uh, metrics and, and then just carry them across everywhere, right? Because if you've got a, a properly designed structure that manages loads and you've got, you know, uh, restraining systems, airbag systems, et cetera, that are, that are meeting, you know, uh, appropriate levels of performance as well on how they interact with the human body, right? You know, with your chest and your head and, and, and you know, all the other, you know, your, your whole torso so as it as a vehicle is is managing a load in a crash event that's something that uh if if you've optimized for the the strictest market which tends to be uh fmvss you just take that across the board so, but really for us it was aside from being left to right hand drive it was really the power pack offering and besides that probably a little bit of, this, of, the, of the suspension tuning you know the, there are road differences Right, like in ASEAN markets versus a mature market like like uh, North America or Europe, and and that influences right the suspension tuning right to to better manage what road surfaces the majority of the time those customers are driving on. If I am a owner of a current Ranger, and I'm excited about this product, my I've had this truck you know uh, for maybe uh, let's say ten years or something like that, I'm ready to replace my pickup truck. If I'm getting ready to buy the new Ranger, what can I expect? What's going to be different from getting out of the old truck and into the new truck? Is it quietness? Is it power? Is it the way it handles? What are what are the maybe the top five things that a new that a current customer would see, appreciate, or experience when jumping into the new truck? It is all of them. That is the, that. That's the benefit of having all new, all new exterior. Obviously, it's a, it's a very beefy, very very trucky looking vehicle. We, we wanted to emphasize that. As we grew the underbody, we packaged the rear dampers outboard so we get better tuning capability, meaning better suspension tuning, so better, more comfortable ride. As we grew that architecture as well, we provided better angles of approach, angles of departure, breakover angle. We offer more power, right? The power of choice of having the 2.7 liter as a step-up engine or being able to go up all the way up to a Ranger Raptor, nothing but smiles all day kind of a, of a vehicle. 
offering all that in terms of the vehicle's performance while still having, you know, great 7,500 pounds of towing capability, 1,805 pounds of uh, payload capacity. Then you walk into the interior of the vehicle, and then you have an all-new interior, full flat rear seats, all-new instrument panel, two glove boxes, a 12-inch instrument cluster, a 10-inch or 12-inch center stack, all this cool technology, Copilot 360 Available blind spot information system so, with the cross So let's cord. let's talk about that. So like uh, Ford Copilot 360, right? You got lane centering that you now offer, auto high beams, blind spot information system with cross traffic alert and trailer coverage, which is huge for the midsize market. Pre collision yes. assist with yes, automatic emergency braking, um, rear view camera, intersection assist, active park assist 2.0, evasive steering assist, post collision braking, intelligent speed limiter. Forward collision warning, reverse brake assist, lane centering, adaptive cruise control that has stop and go. Those are features that are available now on the Ranger, on the midsize truck. And that's what I was talking about with the tech uh, trickle down from F-150. And then you go to the off-road side and you've got TMS, train management system. You've got trail control, all of your drive modes. There's now an off-road screen uh, with a front camera view. I mean, when you look at the features list, it's, it's pretty amazing. Pro trailer backup assist, integrated trailer brake controller, zone lighting, which basically uses the vehicle lights to light up different zones around it. So if you're like camping, get to the camp spot late at night, uh, it'll use the vehicle's lights to kind of flood the area that you're on. So if you're on the passenger side of the the truck, putting up your tent, you can have that zone lighting uh, light that up. Wireless uh, phone charging, 400-watt inverter, USB-A, USB-C, trailer reverse guidance, forward and reverse sensing systems, intelligent access with push-button start, remote start, LED headlamps, LED tail lamps, Secure code keypad, which all the Ford owners love. Wiper activated headlamps, rain sensing wipers, trailer sway control. Is there anything that you wanted to put in that you weren't able to get? Because it feels like you've got like uh, 10 gallons of stuff in a five gallon hat. <laughs> you know, you didn't even mention 360 degree camera. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is. I mean, it is amazing the amount of features. Uh, our 10-speaker, 660-watt B&O sound system. Finally a mid-size wheel. truck I mean, <laughs> with, a, with a really awesome stereo system. There's only, uh, I think the, uh, the, the Nissan uh, Frontier has the Fender, which is pretty good. Uh, the, the Bose in the uh, GM Twins was a little bit underwhelming. And of course, I haven't heard the Tacoma yet. But yeah, a B&O sound system that's available is awesome because that sound system in the bigger truck sounds really great. By the way, thank you for running through the list of all the the cool features that we offer on the all-new Ranger. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, with everything that I was able to offer, the one thing that I really, really, really wanted that I thought would pair up so well with the uh, Pro Trailer Backup Assist, right? Pro Trailer Backup Assist is wonderful because it essentially gives you that trailer reverse guidance, right? Not everyone is young. And as you get older, your ability to kind of, you know, twist your neck back to see where you're going and do it in a way that you don't look like an idiot, that you know, you look like <laughs> you know what you're doing. Not all of us can do that. And it's a cool technology that just lets you – it takes all of the guesswork out of it. It's very precise. And with our 360-degree camera, you can see exactly, you know, everything around you. So it's very safe. I would have loved, like our bigger, you know, uh, brethren – to have also offered um, dynamic hitch assist, 
Oh yeah. Ideally, first you got to connect up. <laughs> yeah. And then once you're connected, then you could you know maneuver. And I think you know at the end of the day, you know we tried, but but again we're trying to balance that that value equation because I got to try to keep the, the vehicle as affordable as possible. There's still a lot and, of value here, and if I know Ford one, I know that the yeah. mid-cycle refresh in a few years will. I'm sure it'll uh, uh, soak in a, a few more of those things from its bigger brother. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I think the other thing uh, I wanted to just remind people of is it's basically four trim levels. You have XL, XLT, Lariat on the non-Raptors, and then you have Raptor, which is sort of its its standalone product. And the Raptor on the Ranger platform has never come to America. It's been a beast overseas, Australia, uh, other places where that truck is beloved in those corners of the world. We finally have it now, and Raptor's really becoming a brand within Ford. You've got uh, the F-150 Raptor, yeah. you've got Bronco Raptor, uh, or I like to call the Braptor, and you've got the uh, the Ranger Raptor, and, and, and presumably other things along the way. But I, one thing I want to touch on, and, and I didn't want to spend too much time on, on Ranger Raptor. I feel like we can you know dig down on specifically that truck on another time, but how did the changes to the platform and the frame allow the new raptor version to really flourish i guess because it see I, I we haven't driven i haven't driven the ranger yet in in uh in transparency i have not driven the ranger raptor yet but i have sat in them i've seen them and i've seen some of the videos and photos and it looks like it's whether it's ranger or ranger raptor it's gonna be a great truck but how did the design and and the engineering side of the regular ranger influence ranger raptor and and what was the decision to bring it into north america when you have Bronco sort of in the same space? Bronco is not a pickup truck. <laughs> so I, I, I love to, to remind people yeah. that, right? Our, our Ranger Raptor is a true pickup truck. You can actually work with that thing, right? It's got a working end. I think with our new frame, with our new architecture, right, where, where we grew the track with two inches, uh, frame wheelbase, two inches as well, we grew that. Our Ranger is an additional, our Ranger Raptor, excuse me, is an additional three and a half inches wider still track so to have a, a desert runner right and, and, and when you're running through the, the desert at, at you know at a very high speed you need to be wide because you need stability right as, as you're encountering those uh pretty significant you know changes in road surfaces and you're hitting them at speed you need to be able to manage that with the uh, two and a half inch fox racing live valve shocks that we have and what we were able to do by having our fully boxed ultra high strength steel all new frame that's wider and and longer in wheelbase we essentially made the trip there that a, a little bit more of a move and and you you've got the the makings of a capable raptor product so i think it started with the backbone and then the three liter v6 it's the a bigger brother or bigger sister to the 2.7 liter ecoboost v6 so it's you know larger displacement and, and slightly different tuning, but that power pack, you know, we do share a lot of the routing of the, the cooling, the, the electrical architecture, et cetera. So uh, being able to get that proper power pack into the architecture was created by, again, having this larger backbone. And in terms of, of letting it, you know, have the suspension, the legs that it needs to be able to, to be a true desert runner. We essentially did that by by growing that base architecture to begin with the base. So, and the base obviously benefited by having better ride and handling overall. And now we can package you know larger engines, get better cooling, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that architecture growth is what enabled 
the Raptor to exist well, and on I, the Ranger package. I'll bring up uh, for people who are listening. They may wonder, well, the, the Ranger Raptor has 33s. The Bronco Raptor has 37s. Is it going to be capable? Is it, is, you know, there's a lot of questions. Here's what I'll say. And then also maybe some who, who wish the Bronco Raptor had more power. The Ranger Raptor, A, is a lot lighter than the Bronco Raptor. So that three liter should be awesome in the Ranger. And our friend Brad Lovell That's exactly recently won the, uh, the Fink Desert Race in uh, Australia, an Australian Ranger Raptor. And that's a cross country style, like almost like a Baja style race, where uh, I yeah. think the Raptor version of the Ranger really showed its capability and colors uh, and, and, and how flying the flag of Raptor and Ford. I think, you know, everybody, I think, wants 35s if they can have it, but I think 33s with proper suspension and all the underbody protection that you guys have on that should be pretty pretty great. I, I built, I think I told you in the last time we had you on, I built a long travel Ranger from my 2002 FX4 uh, with 33s back in the day, and I went everywhere I wanted to go in that. Yeah, so. yeah. and I think, uh, you know, the Ranger Raptor, unlike its brethren, has a, a Watts Link, you know, coilover his suspension setup versus a Panhard rod. And that gives, obviously, the Ranger in that lighter package with that equally strong power pack, it gives us much, much better high-speed control. Yeah. So the, the Ranger was built to maneuver, right? It's a desert runner that can maneuver outstandingly well. That's why we spent the money on a Watts Link coilover rear suspension yeah. versus the lower-cost Panhard rod. So we made choices, and the Ranger Raptor versus the Ronco Raptor versus the F-150 Raptor, it has a, a different – niche that it plays in that lineup yeah i well. think bronco raptor is really designed to be a street legal ultra four car rock crawling lots of yeah. clearance bouncing <laughs> yes, everything yes. right whereas ranger raptor is really designed to go from point a to b fast off-road and have a lot of fun doing it and uh, like That's you said exactly the, the rangers got a uh, you know it's got a working end to it whereas the bronco is sort of all fun all the time um i i before we That's wrap exactly. up i wanted to kind of quiz you a little bit on your thoughts You've been working on this program. You know, typically a program like this might be three years or, or more. You've been in your bubble. You've been focusing on making this a great truck. You put your head up every once in a while to see what the competition's doing or, or what the uh, you know, product planners tell you you need to be thinking about and, and what the, the capability needs to be. Now that you've seen everybody else in the marketplace, obviously uh, Tacoma just got refreshed. Uh, the GM uh, Twins just got refreshed. Frontier's been doing really well in the space. Now that you've seen what's out there, how are you feeling about your last like three three years of work? <laughs> are you feeling pretty good? You know, I'm feeling damn good because uh, I think you know. Obviously, we all get competitive intelligence, right? We try to feature out where the competition's going, and and we knew that the midsize pickup segment was going to be hot. And, you know, to your point, we just summarized you know how much new product there is in the midsize pickup segment right now. Super exciting segment, and I and I think we did very very well by by not just taking what we had and freshening it, but by really, really, really saying, look, we need to just, you know, let, to your point, you know, we, we got to put 10 pounds into this five pound bag. Uh, Ranger is the F-150 of the world. And so we own trucks and we're not going to give up. And we're going we're gonna, to, you know, do our best to make sure that we're successful in every segment that we're in. So is this the truck that unseats uh, Toyota in North America? Fingers crossed. <laughs> I, I'm listening to the crowd here. I think they're pretty excited. <laughs> they love the new truck. And uh, uh, Juan, we really appreciate you coming back on the show. 
um, and spending the time with us. I know you you're, you're a busy guy. There's a lot going on. Obviously, you guys just got out of the UAW strike and the plant's back working and, and all that. And I know that the, the release got pushed back a little bit. So for people who are asking the question, they're, they're really interested in the new Ranger. It looks like they should be hitting dealerships now once uh, with supply chain catching back up and production back online. Like Q1, is that what we're thinking right now? That's exact spot on. Yep, early Q1. So pretty soon we'll have the product out there. You guys will be able to go to, to your dealers, to, our, to your four dealerships, and uh, pick one up. Well, uh, again, we, we appreciate your time. I know you got a lot going on. Uh, chatting about the new truck is, is definitely special for uh, for us in the audience. So thank you. And uh, hopefully uh, whatever you work on next, we'll have more stuff to uh, to talk about in the future. Thank you for having me. It was great talking with you at length again, Sean. Uh, you always ask uh, really good questions, and you have amazing insight, I think, into into the whole truck space. So all the best to the Truck Show podcast. I will continue to listen, and I'm also going to check out your OVR magazine. I just, I just pulled it up. Awesome. And uh, I will also keep tabs on, on you guys as well, OVRmag.com. OVRmag.com. Thanks, and I think Don might even have a uh, an actual issue floating around uh, the office there somewhere. So uh, if not, hit me up and I'll, I'll, I'll get I'll, one out to you. Cool. Thanks, man. Great talking with you, Sean. All right. Thanks, Juan. All right, Holmes, thank you for uh, bringing us that interview with Juan. That was that – was, it was kind of a – refreshing after all the EV talk in the beginning of the Oh, show. you need some uh, internal combustion so, uh, truck talk? Gotta, gotta have some balance, well, you, you know you, what I'm saying? You had to like the fact that the Ranger is available optionally with two V6s when everybody else is going to turbo fours, right? I'm not saying I don't love it, because right. I do. All right. All right, well, uh, don't forget, guys, we are going to go two episodes in 2024, two episodes a week. It's going to be amazing. We are gluttons for punishment. The truck! Show the truck show the truck show. Oh, oh. And don't forget, you can uh, check out our socials and interact with our friend uh, Dave Graham and, and us. Oh, I know we're there at, too at Truck Show Podcast at Sean P. Holman at LBC Lightning, and you can find us uh, on the Five Star Hotline 657-205-6105 or go to the website truckshowpodcast.com. Don't forget to send us your event. We want you to have a go-to place to figure out what truck events for New Year. Near year? What's a near year? <laughs> near you. Yes. Are we going to keep that? Yeah, it's That's been a long That's show. Good. All right, near, near, near. I guess we're just fading at the end. All right. No, uh, no, we're not. I got something to say here. All right. So, Holman, what you don't know is yeah. that earlier this week, I emailed uh-huh. about 100 listeners, and I admitted that I basically failed. So I said, look... Well, I, I, I blind carbon copied a bunch of people, so they don't know how many people went to. I'm telling you, it's about 100 people. Right? And I said, look, uh, you're on my list of either having sent yeah. stickers to or I have to send stickers uh-huh. to, and I don't know which one it is. Do I owe you stickers or <laughs> you, did, I, you realized did I send you stickers? All you had to do was move the email into no, the sent sticker folder. No, That's all you no, had to do. But the problem is, is that a lot of those people that were in uh-huh. the pre- we have two folders, uh-huh. and one is mixed. How? I because I've been sending stickers for <laughs> all right over a year to people. How many people lied and said that they didn't? You're like, I know I sent you a sticker. Doesn't doesn't matter. Well, I do. Well, so easy. Minute, you just invited a bunch of people to get more stickers wait, 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 for free. So so hold on a second. Okay. Before sending the email, I did cross-reference. I do have okay. a folder, a file folder. Uh-huh. I've shown you this folder. Yeah, I've seen it. And it's a mess, but it does it have a, a bunch of it does has a bunch of addresses, physical mailing addresses. It's less than and confidence if I said, inspiring. hey, if I had, did I send one to Connor? I looked through and I paged her and I go, oh yeah, I sent one to Connor. So I didn't email him. Okay. 
right. But a lot of other people, I didn't have any. So if you got an email from Lightning, <laughs> it is me. I, I emailed you. Would you say that that's he... legit? It's not spam. It's me. So reply. All right. If I didn't, if if you, if I already sent you stickers, you don't have to reply. So unblock Lightning at Truck Show Podcast from your spam filter, uh, or if you want to email me Holman at Truck Show Podcast. Don't make it more complicated than it already is. So I'm just trying to get. I'm just trying to get stickers to people right. that deserve them. So you've got an Very email from Lightning at Truck Show That's legitimate. I sent you, and if you want a sticker, just reply with your shipping address, and it's on its way to you. Thanks to my wife, she's helping me with this project. Well, after you <laughs> blasted her uh, uh, last week on the show and said she was worthless, what did I did? You don't remember that? Oh, because I was tired. I don't remember anything <laughs> I said on that last episode because she wouldn't help me or what? Yeah, yeah. Well, she is. Did she take help pity on you? Or she took? She's she owes me a favor now. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> don't even want to no, go don't delve any quicker no, or you don't want to any know. deeper into that. No, you don't want to know. You, right. do, you do want to know, but you don't want to know. <laughs> uh, we've got a lot of great shows coming up uh, to end the year. You guys are going to be stoked on all the guests we have. There's mm-hmm. so much content, and we're super excited about uh, next year. So uh, again, uh, the big news. Two episodes a week. Tell us what you think. We're going to try. I mean, we we're might do fail. It. We're going to do it. Nah, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to do, do it. Okay. We're going to do it. So this is where we think Nissan, because they've been supporting not just one Lightning and Holman every week. Now they're about to support two Lightning and Holmans <laughs> every week. I, I don't know if they've agreed to that or not. They, why would they turn we're, it down? We're like, hey, we're going to do this uh, extra bonus thing for you. And they're like, yeah, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Less is more. Uh, no, uh, in more. all seriousness, thank you to Nissan if you're in the market for a uh, new truck, either the midsize Frontier or the half-ton Titan or Titan XD. Head on down to your local Nissan dealer. Take advantage of the Titan and Titan XD's uh, industry-leading five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And you can check out the trucks and build and price them at NissanUSA.com. Hey, Lightning. Yes? You know what else you can build and price? No. A bank's suite of products. Now, hear me out. You could bundle up an iDash with a stealth gauge pod Mm -hmm. and a pedal monster, and it would be the perfect Christmas present for yourself. (laughs) That's a great idea. You guys, listen, you put up with us. For God knows how many episodes, treat yourself to a little something, something. Go to bankspower.com. If you have a Tacoma or a Tundra, you, you've upgraded the tires and now it's sluggish. The way to get that acceleration back and get rid of that throttle delay, the pedal monster. And you can control it on the fly using the iDash and the new Stealth Pod that sits in the upper uh, A-pillar on your Tacoma or on the grab handle of your Tundra. It looks O-E. Go to bankspower.com, type in your year making model and see what I'm talking about. And you'll thank me. Lightning was the man. My truck is fun again and I love the data on the iDash. All right. Are you going to fill me in on uh, why your wife owes you a favor? She bought a new car, didn't she? She bought a Porsche. See you guys. Bye. Well, you're in the UK. <laughs> uh, yep. All right, you guys. Love you, mean it. Bye. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.